Between the kids being home and hosting, everything in our house gets used up in summer. With Instacart, I can save money by stocking up on all my favorite summer brands. I save time by getting everything delivered in as fast as an hour. And I save myself a sink full of dirty dishes by stocking up on paper plates for the annual summer cookout. Save more on summer essentials? Spend more time enjoying summer. Add summer to cart. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host, Eric, alongside with expert analyst, Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Well, Rod, we're going to kick into things again here uh, because we have a new person who's been added to the Michigan State basketball team, a recruit that... I don't think it was really on many people's radars, but obviously Michigan State's. And that's Carson Cooper, uh, 6'11", I think 6'11", center from IMG Academy. He also is from Jackson. And why don't you tell us a little bit about who he is and I guess how this all shook out because, it, like I said, I don't think anyone knew this was even happening. And despite all the panic that everyone's had about Izzo, you know, not being able to recruit anymore, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, that, that was always dumb, but... Uh... Yeah, it, completely off the radar, and and this should be a lesson to people, and I and I hope that and look, it's like it's like anything else regarding social media, right? Particularly with sites like Twitter that are free to access, you have a higher percentage of morons and in this case, basketball illiterates than, than you would have in other contexts. So um, that said, a lot of the commentary I've seen about Michigan State uh, and, and how it's recruiting and why it's doing what it's doing and what all that means has, has really bordered on the stupidest stuff I've ever seen in regard to Michigan State athletics, period. It's it's as if the guy running the program forgot everything that he spent the last whatever it is now, 27 years, whatever it is, uh, showing us that he knows. But regardless, the reason it should be something should be learned from this is the Carson Cooper recruitment went completely under the radar. Nobody knew about this, and there's good reason for that. There's a couple good reasons for that, but let's start by talking a little bit about who he is. So you mentioned the background. He played this year at IMG Academy. Now, IMG Academy has one of the elite prep school programs in the country, so they are a peer of places that MSU fans have become familiar with in recent years, La Lu, um, uh, Sunrise Christian, uh, Montverde, all, all of the Oak Hill, all of those names. IMG is a peer of theirs. However, Cooper did not play for that team. He played for their varsity team. So they have a second team that I gather competes against normal high schools in Florida. Okay. So it's a secondary team. That's what he did this year. And apparently played very well. I, I forget the exact numbers, but I want to say he averaged like 16 points, 10 rebounds, a couple blocks a game, something like that. Good numbers. The year before that, he played for Ypsilanti Prep, where he was a teammate of Amani Bates and at least for a minute, Jaden Akins before Jaden transferred out. He stuck it out the whole year. And was in their playing group. They had guys on that team that, that were on the roster but didn't play. He actually did play. And uh, Jim Comperoni at Spartan Mag went back and re-watched. Uh, I'm sure many of our listeners may remember. This is year before last. There was a massively hyped game between Ypsilanti Prep and uh, Chet Holmgren's team. 
who, of course, is going to be in the NBA next year and played this past season for Gonzaga. Um, Carson Cooper played in that game. And he didn't do a lot, weren't a lot of stats, but he did get off the bench. He was the backup center for that team. Now, he's grown a couple of inches since that game. He was 6'9 at that point. He's now every bit of 6'11", and as you said, 220. So he's already got a decent frame for a big kid, and I think there's the potential to get a lot bigger. Again, going back to his history, who he is, before that, his freshman and sophomore years, he played at Jackson Northwest High School in, uh, I guess we call it South Central Michigan uh, for the Mounties. I believe we're in the Interstate 8 Conference, if I remember correctly. And I'm not sure what kind of numbers he put up there, but um, he uh, he played his first two years there, then obviously has been in prep school environments the last two. Now, what's interesting about him, he's only 17 years old right now. And because of his age, he was actually eligible to play AAU basketball this spring, which he has done. He played on a team with a team called Florida Rebels, which is an EYBL program, Nike program out of Florida. And he's played well. I think he's averaging something like 11 minutes a game. So he's not starting, but he's in their playing rotation and, and has produced decently. The idea was... He wanted to play this year in EYBL and then go back for a fifth year of prep school. Now, we've talked about some guys um, that have done that uh, on MSU's recruiting radar, and it happens all the time. Guys go back for a fifth year to um, enhance their Micah Parrish, who MSU was involved with. I don't know that I believe that they actually ended up offering in the end, but they were certainly involved with uh, the transfer from Oakland who ended up committing to San Diego state. He was an example of a kid who did that played four years at river Rouge and then went to a school. He was compass prep in Arizona for a fifth year to better his chances of getting uh, the kind of college offer he wanted. And it worked. He got a D one offer to Oakland and now he's traded up to San Diego state. Uh, that was going to be Carson Cooper's plan. But Michigan State saw it yeah. this spring. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, they knew, that, who, yeah. they knew who he was because he was a local kid, you know, and he played. He had played, I believe, earlier in his career for Bates, uh, Bates Academy, the, the Bates Fundamentals, sorry, the AAU team that uh, Imani Bates' father had started several years ago. He played in that program. So MSU was familiar with him, but my understanding is – and Jim Comperoni, did, I, I got to give him credit at Spark Mag, did some really good reporting on this. So some of what we're talking about, I've gleaned from him. If you're not already a subscriber, you should be. Um, but from what I gather, they saw him this spring and really liked what they saw. And so they started recruiting him on the basis of adding him to this year's class, the 2022 class. And after visiting this weekend, and getting offered, he decided to take them up on that. So he is going to be, rather than playing out the rest of the summer with his EYBL uh, AAU program, he's going to stop doing that. He's going to finish up school, which I gather ends later this month for him at IMG, sure. graduated. And then he will come to Michigan State, probably on more or less the same schedule as Jackson Kohler and um, uh, Trey Holloman the other two members of that class. So it's really interesting the way, the way that this has been described by Jim and I'm positive he's getting this from the best of all possible sources. And there were very, very few sources who knew this was even in the hopper. Nobody knew about this before today. They didn't. I mean, it was nowhere. Um, the reason for that is Michigan state was concerned if it got out, that they were recruiting Cooper, other schools would try to get into the mix and it might lengthen things out. And I don't know whether that would have happened given that he's a local kid. I have a feeling the Michigan state offer was probably pretty overwhelming and it might've sealed the deal anyway, but I understand why they played it the way that they did. He did have D one offers. His offers 
currently were of the mid-major variety, Vermont, American, uh, I believe Duquesne had offered. So that's an A-10 program. Um, the others are maybe a smaller level than that. I saw, um, and I'm forgetting the guy's name, there's a, a newish college recruiting site service. Everybody knows Rivals and 24-7, which was the successor to Scout. Uh, there's a newish one that started this past year called On3. And On3's national guy seemed to be most dialed in to Cooper. He actually wrote about him. I found an article he wrote about a month ago where he was talking about how this kid was making massive strides. Anyway, according to that guy, uh, there were ACC programs that were starting to sniff around. So I think that's probably that aspect is probably why MSU chose to play it quietly and, and try to get this done before anybody knew they were doing it and they succeeded. Yeah. Well, you, Oh, I was going to say, you see that a lot of times with, with players who have like, um, you know, they're a three-star, they get recruited by Michigan, and then they become a four-star or five-star, or like Ohio State. Once the bigger programs start getting interested in you, you move up on the the ratings. You know, I, There's some wide receiver, I can't remember the recall his name from Michigan, who said he was a three-star, he got his offer to Michigan, and suddenly he found the next day he was like a four-star recruit, you know, and, right. and I think that, and so to your point, I mean, I think, you know, if you, you, you know you want to go after someone, uh, you do it quietly, and if you can manage to do it with a kid, Who's going to do it? I, I, there's no reason not to, right? I mean, because you it's, could, because I'm sure he's, yeah. you know, if they had, if it had leaked out, you could say, well, you know, Duke calls or North Carolina or Georgia Tech or someone else and said, hey, we'd like you to come down. And then he goes to Michigan State. He's like, well, you know, maybe I want to go visit another place. And like you said, it just kind of strings out this process. Well, take a look at, and it's a different situation, but I think the point stands. Take a look at Xavier Booker. Now, Xavier Booker was being recruited for and has been recruited for a long time at an entirely different level. But um, when he really started to blow up this spring for, for a bit there, I'm, I'm still not sure what's going to actually come to fruition. But for a bit there, there started to be all this new interest. There was a feeling when Michigan State got him in, got him scheduled to take an official that they might be able to close it out this spring and get a commitment. And right before that, you started seeing this talk about Duke and Gonzaga and Kentucky all being interested in them. The ranking stuff is absolutely true that you point out. That's one aspect of it for sure. And and don't kid yourself. Kids are fully aware of that stuff and they pay attention and it's human nature. They want to max out oh, yeah. how they're viewed. So I understand it. Um, but in any event, the Booker is situation is an example of this where all of a sudden it starts to snowball and where you had a largely upper midwest big 10 recruitment michigan state purdue indiana now at least you had talk about these other schools from other regions of the country starting to get in and that could potentially complicate things now in his case i don't necessarily believe that's going to end up being the deal but it certainly could have been and may still be uh, this, this was, and you, you said something else there. If I think you said, if the kid is willing to go along with that, well, that happened here, obviously. I don't know at what point MSU scheduled the visit and the offer with Carson Cooper, but I suspect it was before Friday night <laughs> since he was in here on <laughs> Friday. Uh, but um he kept it quiet. That was unusual too. Yeah. Yeah. Because most kids, they get an offer from a Michigan state coming from where he's coming from. You're going to want to blast that all over the world. I suspect that Michigan state probably said some things that they would like to get this done fast. But, you know, again, I think the fact that it's Michigan state for a Michigan kid probably played a role in how they were able to pull this off. So I think the way to view this now, there's a couple of other elements worth talking about here before we get into his game. He has already come out and said, and I've, I've seen suggestions that MSU basketball program sources have uh, 
confirmed this. The idea is that he's coming into red shirt. Now, the, the first thought that I'm sure people had when they saw this commitment announced is, oh, MSU needs another five, and that's what Izzo decides to do. He decides to go out and get this guy whose best offer was from Vermont. Well, first of all, it wasn't <laughs> the best offer, but secondly, yeah, yeah. doesn't look like it. It looks to me like as of now, the plan is to redshirt him. Now you you have to have a kid that's willing to do that. And in 2022, that is very tough to find. He apparently sees the wisdom in it. Uh, he said that I saw a, a brief commentary from from Cooper himself, where he said that Izzo talked about, you know, guys like Morris Peterson and I'm sure others, Goran Sutan, a lot of guys at Michigan State who had success after redshirting. Um, probably the most recent one, I guess, would be Kenny Goins, although he came in as a preferred walk on, not a scholarship guy, but still um, that ended up benefiting him. The, the reality is. The only thing I take from that, well, I take a couple of things. One is I think it probably indicates that you shouldn't expect to see him play this year. And I say probably because, you know, uh, you know what they say about plans, you yeah. know, and that is the plan, but time may make that moot and he may end up playing or he could come in and his improvement could just continue ascending. And by August, Michigan State's coaches could look at themselves and say, hey, this guy's too good to not play. That's possible too. So, but right now the plan is that he redshirts. So I think that says, one, you probably shouldn't at this point expect to see him play. Two, I think it still leaves the door open, however open it is, to Michigan State adding – another big man via the portal possible i'm not saying i'd bet my house on that i wouldn't but it is possible because they're not talking about carson cooper as a guy who's going to be instant impact um although i'll tell you based on what i saw in his clips from this last season at img i i think he might be better prepared than some guys msu has brought in in the past we'll see but I, we, we can talk about that aspect of things in a minute. So really what this was about for MSU, I think, is one, keeping other schools off the trail, but two, getting a guy now who, if he had gone through his original plan to go back and play a prep school year somewhere, from what I saw on, on his highlight reel, and that's all it is, and I, I – I will offer an editorial point. I've said here many times before highlight clips are never, ever, ever, ever sufficient to fully evaluate a player. You need to actually see them live. Even if it's on television, you need to see them actually live where you can see everything. But some things I do think you can glean from it, which we'll talk about in a second that I think are pretty important. Um, I don't have much doubt that, if he had been a member of the 23 class and had played another year at the high school level, I think his recruitment would have gotten much bigger and much tougher. I'm not saying yeah. he would have been Xavier Booker, but I think you would have, he looks to me every bit the part of a guy who would have lots of high major interest. When I look at this recruitment, um, as you mentioned, you know, we don't know what the plans are for, well, we know the plans are that they that it's a red shirt this year, but I think you know when you look at it and you step back and look at the situation, I think obviously Michigan State is thin at the five. They've got Maddie Sissoko, who is un, who is unproven at this point, right? We hope that he progresses yeah. and can stand the court more than you know ten minutes without fouling out. And Jackson Kohler, who is you know an unknown entity in the sense that he's coming. You got Hauser who can play, but he's undersized in the Big Ten. Uh, but by bringing this. This kid who's 6'11", I mean, he's obviously a center. You feel like if something happens, because right now you say, well, we can maybe just skate past this season and maybe we'll be okay and maybe things will work out. But let's say someone gets injured, right? Like Sokoler or Sissoko gets injured. You're in a bad spot. I mean, we've seen this at Michigan State before. And I think having a kid like this as a redshirt who you think is, who is capable, you think, well, now you've got insurance 
right? You've got, you've yep. got some in your back pocket that you don't have to worry about. Uh, if something unforeseen happens, you can survive. You can survive a, a spread stretch or maybe the rest of the season if something, you know, someone blows an ACL or something. I go back to poor Kenny Goins <laughs> yeah. as a sophomore having to play in the post guarding Isaac Haas <laughs> that year because they got caught short. They had two guys, Gavin Schelling and Ben Carter, that they thought would man the five along with Nick Ward. Well, those two guys got hurt, missed the season. That left Nick Ward, a freshman, a very good freshman, but still a freshman, and Kenny Goins as your fives. It was not pretty. Um, and that's no knock on Kenny because obviously he became a very good player for Michigan State, but he was not built to be a five man. Um, that was even beyond, I mean, at least Joey Hauser's got two or three inches on Kenny Goins, you know, he's undersized, yeah. we, you know, so we, you're right. We have seen it before and Cooper does provide, if they don't bring anybody else in, he at least provides an insurance policy in case of an injury. You're right about that. You know, I think the other thing, too, to think about is before we get into actually talking about his game is this. You've started to see more candid discussion about the use of scholarship numbers, not from Michigan State, but but from some other places in the last few weeks. And I think what has started to finally emerge, uh, you know, a year or so into this full-on application of the portal and immediate transfer eligibility and to some extent NIL impacting that too, although it's mostly, I think, a story about the portal. You've started to see a consensus build that especially at the high major level and in particular the really good programs, not just the MSUs, but the Kentuckys, the Dukes, et cetera, there seems to be an emerging consensus that very few of these schools are ever going to end up using their full 13 scholarship allotment anymore. And that is a departure. Michigan State has done this maybe more than some other programs. I'll admit I haven't kept um, laser with laser-like focus track of what Kentucky and Duke have done year in, year out. But I know with Michigan State, there have been years before this past season where MSU might have had a scholarship that was open. They've done it several times where I know because they've had several situations where a walk-on has ended up getting a scholarship for a given season because they didn't have 13. So it's not totally new for Izzo, but you're seeing this now around the country. I, I, John Calipari, I believe, was quoted this past week, if I remember correctly, saying he didn't anticipate that Kentucky would ever be using their full allotment again. And, and the reasons for that are complicated, but essentially what you need to understand is roster management is now a day-to-day proposition. And what these guys, do, these coaches do not want to have happen is get into situations where adding a kid, adding one kid, means they lose another one. Michigan just went through this. They added this kid, Llewellyn, from Princeton, and Frankie Collins, who showed some promise late in the year for them as a freshman point guard, out the door, transferred to Arizona State. Uh, I don't think that was Michigan's plan, but that's what happened. (laughs) No. And, and that happens, that will happen a lot of places. So you have to be very careful about it. Last year, a lot of people, and I will include myself in that category, were of the opinion that Michigan State, I think we touched on this last week, Michigan State really should think very, very strongly about adding a wing because there were concerns about what kind of defender Max Christie would be early you had two other freshmen, Jade Nakins and Pierre Brooks as the other options along with Max and then Gabe Brown. So the thinking was, well, add a veteran who at least can provide um, defense off the bench and hold the younger guys, be used to hold the younger guys accountable. MSU did address it, but they addressed it late in a different way than I'd anticipated they would. They added Jason Whitens, who's, a, um, was a multi-year starter at Western Michigan, but was added as a preferred walk-on, not as a scholarship guy. And the reason for that, I was told, is that Izzo was very concerned about 
chemistry and his roster balance. He didn't want to add somebody just to lose somebody else. And that is the thinking that is going on in every basketball office across America, I guarantee. In a roundabout way, this impacts Cooper. MSU is, I believe, I think this means 11 or 12. I got to go through. I got to do the math. I think 12. I think they still would have one scholarship open. This is assuming Christie stays, right? Five and five is 10 now. 10 now, Christie would be 11. Okay. So, and that's without bumping Whitens or Davis Smith or those guys up into a scholarship. Right, right. MSU is very definitely playing that same game, but they've got enough room that adding Carson Cooper to this roster really almost looks like an old school move. The way you used to build teams at a Michigan at a Michigan State type program is often that 12th, 13th scholarship would be a guy that you were taking a chance on, a developmental guy, and oftentimes it ended up being a guy with size because they're hard to find. They're also hard to accurately project once you get past, say, the five guys nationally that are automatics as big men that are just right. making a stop on their way to the NBA. Past those guys, it's a crapshoot. If you don't believe me, Take a look at the way that guys like Mati Sissoko and Marcus Bingham were ranked versus where Xavier Tillman was ranked or Luca right. Garza. You might be surprised if you don't pay close attention to that stuff. So it, it always used to make sense. Michigan State did it a bunch of times. You remember Edon Ebach, who was part of the, the group that went to back-to-back -back Final Fours in the late aughts. Uh, he was a guy like that. They added late, had size. They thought he had some athletic ability. Lottery ticket, you know, and you had the room to do it at the end of your scholarship allotment. Carson Cooper looks like that kind of guy in some ways, but there aren't as many schools doing that in part because the roster coherence, chemistry, balance thing is a factor. And also, you don't necessarily find as many kids that are willing to play it the way that he's going to play it by saying, I'm willing to come in and redshirt. How many guys are, are saying that now? It's not common. No, there's no question. I mean, I think that's, and that's the real advantage of this whole situation, right? You have someone who is with the understanding that they're not going to play. And so you, you don't have that pressure on the other parts of the roster, people worrying that about their minutes. And like we mentioned before, a couple of episodes ago, they're only 200 minutes on the right. They're only 200 minutes right. to play in the game. And you've got to divide that up however you can. So you have someone with expectations that are, you know, maybe things work out and it, you know, he blows everyone's, you know, blows everyone's mind this summer. But if not, he's okay coming the next year, right? Yes. Jim Comperoni uh, made another point that I believe I took to be based off his conversation with um, someone in the MSU program today about this saying, the talk about Cooper redshirting was certainly not incidental. And one of the, one of the designs behind that was to send a clear message to the other guys on the roster or about to be on the roster that, Hey, this is part of building the program. This is not an immediate threat to what we're planning on for this season. That's the world we're living in. I mean, that's just it. And, and look, the options for anybody at this stage to bail out are pretty slim, but who knows, you know, well, right. somebody well this next year, at, right? Yeah. They might not be able to play next year, but they may still say, you know what? Screw this. I'm better off sitting out a year somewhere else. And, you know, it's possible. So <laughs> it's unfortunate, but in, in some ways, but that is part of the new challenge. The way the rules are is that coaches are recruiting their own rosters every day. You do not have guys locked into your program the way they used to be. And so that is part of this too, I think, of the messaging around this. Yeah, right. I think yeah, it's, it reminds me a lot of um you know the NFL once you draft a you spend up your spend your number 1 draft pick on a quarterback, well everyone kind of knows the guy who's the starting quarterback is not going to be the starter much longer, right? Because you've now you're moving you're moving on. And so the the discussion becomes 
you know, how much longer is this person going to be around? So that's the worry. You bring someone in. Well, like. And, and didn't that cause, there was a huge problem, I think this week. Um, I mean, I follow the NFL fairly casually other than the lions, but which, which means I don't really follow the NFL, I guess, but um, wasn't, <laughs> I'm it, with uh, you, brother. <laughs> wasn't it Ryan Tannehill? Isn't that the guy's name at Tennessee who had, they, they drafted uh, the kid from Liberty Willis quarterback who fell. Some people thought he'd be an upper first round, early first round choice. And I think he fell to the second, but anyway, they drafted another quarterback and Tannehill got a ton of heat from people by at a press conference saying that he wasn't planning on mentoring anybody. Well, that's exactly what you're talking about. That sounds yeah. to me like a situation where maybe the franchise didn't do enough to prepare him for the fact that they were going to draft a quarterback and didn't get everybody on the same page. You don't usually see that kind of honesty. Usually these guys tend to be pretty politic, whatever they actually think. But this happens all the time. I know uh, supposedly Aaron Rodgers was upset in Green Bay last year when they drafted a quarterback. And Brett Favre was upset in Green Bay when they drafted Aaron Rodgers. I remember that. So, yeah, it's a very good analogy to what's going on. Um, Coaches have to be fully aware of the possible ramifications of any addition that they make. And particularly once you're starting to get to a point that it becomes obvious, okay, not everybody can play now. The roster is getting big enough that it's beyond the playing group. Right. So, right. um, Yeah. I think, I, I think that's a, I think that's a good point too, with when it comes to Izzo, there are people who are, maybe I'm now I'm on this message board too much, but there are people who are freaking out that Izzo is not paying attention to the roster and sort of what he's, he's got, you know, a team full of role players, which maybe they were a little bit more last year. I mean, we could argue, you know, Max Christie, he's had some players that were, you know, high draft or draft or not draft high recruits. Um, but there's definitely this, this sense that he's not, you know, he's losing it. It's in the sense that he's not, he's not paying careful attention like he has in the past. But I think this is the kind of move that shows you that he's, he's got his hedge against, you know, the future and he's making sure he's keeping people happy and he's definitely very much in tune to the, the team. And, and I think maybe to your point earlier that we're just not going to have things maybe telegraphed as much as we have in the past where we know everything that's coming out. That that's it. You know, um, the Micah Parrish thing happened quietly, you know, and again, I'm not sure that they actually ended up offering him. I've heard different things on that front, but regardless, that whole thing was not conducted on Twitter. It was not, eventually word got out that there was interest but that came later than than it had actually happened it wasn't instantaneous um and his visit kind of came and went very quickly without a lot of talk um this recruitment was that way what this should do this whole deal is i've seen people actually make the statement that in essence everything gets to twitter no, it doesn't. No. no, this is proof. And I absolutely, I am under the under, I, I am under the uh, impression that, and it's more than an impression, that Michigan State continues to look at the transfer portal. There is, and I'm, I'm being very generous when I describe it this way, there is a school of thought, put heavy quotation marks around that, that MSU just needs to add a warm body. Add anybody because they're too thin. Well, that, that's, that's, that is a classic example, and this is true in every walk of life, and it's true in this case too. That is a, an instance of confusing activity for productive work, <laughs> yeah. right? It's while well, they're not offering, at least if they're offering guys, we know they care. They care. Trust me. They care. The, the other thing is that and I've had this discussion with people in a, in a couple different forums, and it is it just goes to show you that not everybody views and understands these things the same way. And sometimes I can look at something and and just think that it's taken as a given, and then you find out it's not. 
this this idea that well there are however many guys 1500 guys in the portal and so somebody obviously has to make sense for michigan state there would have to be uh, my view is tom Izzo with his ability to assess people both as basketball players and as people people who are going to have to fit into his program be teammates with the guys on the current roster play the way he wants to play be students the way he wants them to be students all of those things nil or no still apply i mean I guess I'm out to lunch for thinking that he's probably got a pretty good idea what works. But according to some people, that's that's a crazy thought. It's this guy's lost it. I mean, there was a there was a guy. I don't want to dwell on this too much, but there's a guy who does uh, who has an MSU uh, relate MSU basketball related site and a decent sized Twitter following, uh, etc. Um, who actually used the phrase coaching malpractice if Tom Izzo doesn't add a big man to the roster that was before Cooper but yeah I, you're you're a physician I'm an attorney we both I I speak for myself I, I I assume you feel the same way when you see the word malpractice do you kind of recoil like that's yeah. a pretty heavy word really yeah. heavy. It, and I feel like when you look at the portal there are three I, Broadly, there are three categories of people who are in the portal, right? You've got players who are in mid-majors who are looking to move up, who may or may not be good enough to move up. They uh, they might be the right fit for, uh, right? Like uh, Tyson Walker would not be the right player to go to every team. In the team, you need a point guard, right? I mean, clearly. And just like right. you wouldn't want a big man who can't move. You wouldn't want him at Michigan yep. State. He'd be of no, right. no use, right? Uh, so you have those type of people. Then you have the players who are coming from you know, big schools, the D five, you know, D one school, like, uh, you know, uh, the power five conferences, but there's probably a reason they're leaving, right? Either they're maybe, there maybe there's a coaching change and maybe that'd be the one sort of caveat you could say, well, these are the players, you know, their coach left or they're, they were coming into the school and the coach left before they got through arrived. And so they enter the portal. And so those players may be more, more intriguing, but in general, there's some, either there's a flaw, there's some sort of personality issue. There's some sort of thing going on that makes them want to leave. And maybe there'd be legitimate reasons like a Julius Marble where they're just wanting to get closer to family. And, but the thought that there are 1500 players that are all like high quality is I think crazy. It's, it's entirely possible that 1500 is a lot, but in some ways it's not that many, right? If you need a certain type of person, it's unlikely that there's, that there could be that many people who could even qualify. Right. And, and and so then, you know, the response would be, well, of course I don't mean 1500, but, yeah, there's got to be five. I don't know. I, again, my my default. I can I can I can look at this with multiple thoughts and hold them together at the same time. Thought one is: I look at Michigan State's roster and I think, yeah, it's it's risky in in a lot of ways to me to go into the season with a freshman. And a third-year guy who hasn't yet earned a significant role as your five men, in especially in a league like the Big Ten, where we've still got some giants running around, you know. Um, and, and for a team that last year, with a, uh, its its best big man gone, Marcus Bingham, even with him on the roster, still struggled to rebound horribly. Okay, I I. And firmly with anybody who looks at the roster and, and that occurs to them, it makes sense. But the other thought I can hold in my head at the same time is Tom Izzo knows more about what he's got, what he thinks is going to happen with what he's got and what's actually available to him to go out and get it in the portal if he so chooses than anybody else on the face of the earth. When it comes to the Michigan state guys, for sure, he has better reason to know what he's got than anybody else. That's, that's just a given. Okay. So it may be that despite my skepticism and skepticism might be too strong, but my question about where Jackson Kohler can reasonably be expected to be as a defender or 
what kind of strides Marty Sissoko will make this offseason. Tom Izzo knows a hell of a lot better than I do. And I can tell you this much. It's happened enough over the years where I've looked at a situation very differently than Tom Izzo has. Guess who's been right the vast majority of the time? Not me. <laughs> That's why I'm not making the salary he's making in that job. And I don't have an office at the Breslin Center, you know, or the Berkowitz, I mean. But you get my drift. So that's how I view this stuff. I can look at it and understand completely and even agree with people and say, wow, it just seems like we're short a guy. Not that you need to add a superstar even, but just add a veteran who's proven to be a defender and a rebounder to give you that element so you can mix that player in for 15 minutes a night at least. You know, I get that. But if Izzo doesn't make a move for that kind of player, I have to give him the benefit of the doubt. And it's not just because he's Michigan State's coach. It's because he wins. He wins these yeah. scenarios all the goddamn time. So, I, you know, I'll go back. I'll, I'll, I've said this before. I've admitted to this. I did not understand offering Draymond Green at all. Didn't get it. Because at the time, I looked at him and I thought, believe it or not, I thought, he doesn't have a position. Well, I was right about that, but I was wrong about what that was going to mean. Because as it turns out, he was going to reinvent the sport where you didn't need to have a position. <laughs> you know, so I guess, I guess that's my mea culpa. But um, you know, AJ Hogard this year, I'll cop to it way better than I thought he had any chance to be, and and that's just how it is. So on those on those few occasions where I've looked at what he's done and not understood it at all, um, he tends to be correct. So if, if that's the route he takes, that in the end he doesn't add somebody, I am going to learn from my errors and default to the assumption that he knows what he's doing and there's probably a pretty good chance that it's going to work out. Now that, you know, in, in terms of what actually happens, that doesn't mean anything. I'm just talking about the position that you take heading into the season, the assumptions that you go into it with. I'm, I'm not going to go into the season, regardless of what ends up happening, with the assumption that Tom Mezzo has lost his mind, which to me is where you've got to be if you are taking issue at this stage with what he does. You have to be going into it thinking, this guy doesn't know what he's doing anymore. If that's the position one wants to take, cool. But I'm not liking your odds based on the track record, you know. No question. I, I, when I was at Iowa uh, for for medical school, the first year I was there, Hayden Fry was a coach, and there was no question. There's a gigantic drop off in talent at, at Iowa over the last few years of his. I mean, there, there's no question that they were fading away. Right. It does not feel like that here. I mean, I. I mean, it was not that long ago that we were, you know, final four team and a team that was probably, I mean, certainly national title contender before COVID, you know, blew up the world. So, but let's, before we get off this tangent, let's talk about Carson Cooper and why don't yeah. you talk about sort of his game a little bit and what you think he's going to bring to Michigan State either, you know, two seasons from well, now or maybe I'll, even next season. I'll tell you what I was very surprised by, pleasantly so. And what made me completely understand why they why they decided to press for this. Uh, watching his clips. Now, his, his coach at IMG put up a highlight reel from the season. So, again, I preface this by saying I understand it's a highlight reel. I, more than most, will acknowledge it's not a good way to evaluate somebody. To do that with any kind of real accuracy, you need to see a kid play a full game in the flesh, at least once to have a sense of what they really are. But there are some traits, some tool elements that I think you can draw from those highlights. First of all, his size seems legit. He's listed at 6'11", 220. That looks legitimate to me. He, he did not look like a complete string bean out there. Now, he's going to hopefully use this season to get even stronger. And if he, you know, if you get him next season or year after next as, you know, 6'11", 235, 6'11", 240, well, then you really, then you're working with something probably. And I would think that would be, that would be doable. 
That, that doesn't seem to be a stretch looking at his frame. Uh, you never know for sure how easily guys will put on weight. We, we've seen that at MSU in the past. I mean, when Marcus Bingham, you know, he really struggled yeah. to add good weight, right? right? Uh, eventually, I think he got he got there. The last two years, he got a little better. But um, I don't think it's a stretch, given that this kid's already at 220, to assume they can get a little more onto him. And he's only 17. Um, but what really impressed me was – this is the first and biggest thing to me is that size combined with the fluidity in the way he moves. If you watch those clips, you see a guy who can move and move the way you expect a Michigan state big man to move. So he looks to me as if it's very obvious, he should be a guy who will have no trouble functioning in MSU's transition game as a rim runner. So that's one thing. But, you know, sometimes with big men, oftentimes with big men, you can see like they run stiffly or they're just, they're just not, their footwork is not slow. quick. Yeah, right. It doesn't yeah. flow. They're slow. However you want to phrase it. That doesn't look to me to be an issue with him. And so, <sighs> One of the reasons it's really difficult, in my opinion, to evaluate big men beyond those handful of obvious guys is they don't tend to get tested at the high school level the way they get tested right. in college. And, and primarily, I'm talking about lateral movement and understanding and ability to translate understanding onto the court in terms of how you defend out on the floor. Anybody with some size probably can be okay in the post to one extent or another. But if you're going to be a defender in the big 10, you have to be able to defend pick and rolls. It's, it's just not an option anymore. If you can't, you're putting your team in a hole because you limit the ways that your team can choose to defend those plays. You look at a program like Illinois or Michigan this year, the guys who were playing the bulk of their minutes at the five, they didn't have a choice. They had to shack it. And that can work sometimes, but you're going to be more vulnerable to certain things than you would be if you had a choice to defend it another way. And, right. and so based on the tools I saw, I can see why Michigan State would be interested in Carson Cooper because it looks to me like he has a chance, at least physically, to be a defender the way they want their big men to defend. He's got the physical tools for it. That is, and that goes back, going back to this portal discussion for a second. That is a big thing that guys who sit around and look at stats put up at mid-major programs by guys they've never seen play completely miss. If you're going to play at Michigan State as a five, you are going to be asked to do some things that not every program asks their five to do. I'm not saying it's the only way to play it, but in this program, playing for Tom Izzo, you have to be able to move. If you can't move, it is going to be tough for you. And that's not the way Tom Izzo wants to play. And so that shrinks the available pool of big men for him. It just does. Because a lot of guys who might be successful, you know, uh, Zach Eady, for example. Zach Eady is yeah, a right. really nice college player, and he's really effective at Purdue. I don't mean to bag on him at all. But he would not be a great fit at Michigan State. He'd be able to do some things they don't have anybody who can currently do, but they'd also give up some things they want to be able to do if they had to play him. You know, so uh, Cooper to me looks like a guy who fits. And man, if you can find a six eleven body with a good frame who looks like he can add some more good weight, who can also move that way, wow, that is a great starting point great starting point so that's the first thing i noticed um you also see in those clips going along with that some spring i mean he's got like a live body when he dunks the ball it, it's not the kind of dunks that a 611 guy makes because he's 611 it's kind of an energetic there's some life in him Word is he plays tough. He has a toughness about him. I, I can't speak to that. Really doesn't sure. show up on those clips, but that's what his coach says. 
And I got to believe he showed some of it for Izzo to offer him. Um, and he's also got a skill set. If you watch those clips, you will see a little bit of face-up action. Now, I'm not saying that I think he's ready to take on the world in that way, but <laughs> there's a potential there. You also see him hitting some threes. Again, potential. So there's there's a nice combination of elements to work with, acknowledging that a lot of it's got to get polished and he's got to develop a little more physically and all the rest. But I, I will tell you, he Michigan State has had scholarship big men come in before that I wasn't as impressed by tape as I was by this. So you could talk about it being late and the other offers he had and all that stuff. Okay. But I, I know what I saw. And I think things that can, at least some things that can translate from that would seem to me to give him a good opportunity to at least be a guy who contributes at Michigan state down the line. And maybe more than that, who knows? Yeah. And I think the fact that he's a late addition to this class really suggests that the fact that since we don't really know what Max Christie's fate is going to be, we assume he's going to be leaving uh, that there's no reason to think that Izzo doesn't have a backup plan or some sort of thought and people in the portal. Because again, I think, you know, the, we always assume all oh, the 1500 people or however many in the portal and that they're all going to be taken. If you don't, you know, snatch one up within the next three weeks, it's entirely possible. There could be a couple of targets are like, okay, we'll see what Max is going to do. If he decides to leave, then we'll go after one of these guys. Yeah. We just don't know these things. Right. And, and there's, and there's, they could be in conversation with the people. And you would think on some level, a lot of these recruits would, would not want to risk, <laughs> risk uh, upsetting Michigan state by publicizing this. Right. I mean, that's entirely possible as well because High school recruits, you know, you could maybe argue you want to make you want to create a buzz so that other schools might get interested in you. You may not want that in the portal, right? You may say, "Well, this is my one chance of getting out of you yeah. know, Xavier. I don't want to mess it up by yeah. irritating Izzo or something like that." I mean, there's so many factors yeah. we just can't possibly know that yeah, look, that could that could be going on. Ju you need look no further than Julius Marble. Do you know how much how much attention? There was paid to Texas A&M where he ended up before he announced the commitment. Zero. There, right. I didn't see one thing about a visit or even a scheduled visit. And that's where he ended up. So people should not assume. I know it's easy to fall into that. You see all the media that covers the sport, you know, uh, fan talk, all you know, insiders of various programs, all this stuff. And yes, a lot of stuff does hit the street eventually, so to speak, but not everything. And, and you're right. Mm -hmm. There can be motivating factors behind wanting to keep it quiet. I, I would say this about the portal because you mentioned it connection with Max and, and, and I'm not sure whether, well, I ask you, are you talking about them adding a wing to replace him or just another player? I think probably a wing, you know, and, well, and not again, I, you know, I think you look at the roster, you're like, maybe you don't need one. Maybe you'd want one in case someone gets hurt. I mean, I, I always go through the, the season because I feel like we've been sort of lucky the last couple of years that we haven't had any, any major injuries. True. Uh, True. So that changes the dynamics. And so you want to have extra people, of course, you know, not many people are willing to be extra people who are quality players who are just going to be waiting Correct. on the bench, right? Because again, there's 200 minutes. Right? It's the same problem we have all the time. Gets you back to not using the full allotment of scholarships. I, I would say this, and and I gave it some thought this morning. I, and I'm not I'm not speaking from any um, super informed knowledge on this. MSU, the only two guys we know for sure they expressed interest in were both. At, at least partial wings, Jalen Bridges, who ended up at Baylor, and then Micah Parrish, who ended up at San Diego State. But yeah. people should keep in mind, both of those guys were really more accurately described as three slash fours. Right. And, and there's a reason that matters here. Um, if right now MSU has five scholarship guys on the perimeter, Aikens and Brooks as pure wings, more or less. And then your three point guards who can also play off the ball and Walker, Hogard, and Holloman, right? Um, if Jason Whitens is back healthy and he plays, that's the sixth guy. 
Normally that's enough. But remember, the word is Malik Hall is going to play on the wing more this year because Izzo has, according to Joey Hauser, the plan is for Hauser and Hall to be on the court together more. And it, it wasn't. Joey actually explicitly said that didn't mean Joey at the five. Right. It yeah, meant yeah. Joey at the four, Malik at the three. So if that is, in fact, the way MSU goes with this, that's potentially as many as seven guys for the three perimeter spots. So if I had to make a bet, Michigan State is only going to add one guy in the portal. That's assuming they add anybody at all. But let's say for argument's sake, it's one. Which spot will it be, perimeter or interior? I would probably lean toward interior based on that. Yeah. But, I, but I could be wrong. It, it is also true that the two guys that we know they've looked at had in on visit or one was scheduled for a visit, one actually made it, um, were guys capable of playing the wing. I would just note neither one of them was exclusively that. They weren't adding a perfect Max Christie facsimile. They were adding guys that are much closer to Malik Hall, you know, in terms of type. And that made some sense to me when I thought about it. And this talk about Malik playing the three was okay. So they're adding, they're looking at adding a guy who might be able to back up Joey at the four and then, you know, maybe, maybe play on the wing some too, but not necessarily even primarily that. So it'll be interesting to see what, if anything, they do. But, yeah, as, as we're saying here, if you learn anything from this, listeners, it, it should this Cooper commitment, it should be don't fall prey to the idea that just because you haven't heard about MSU being active in the transfer portal means that they aren't active in the transfer portal and aren't looking at guys. I am under the the understanding that they are. And sure. what that produces remains to be seen. Yeah, insiders can only know what they're told or what they maybe have actual knowledge of. And sometimes that is intentional, right? That you, you let things leak that you're doing something. And sometimes you don't. I mean, there if Izzo calls 10 players, unless Izzo tells people he's calling those 10 players or a secretary mentions it, no one will know this, right? And so I think there's... yeah. No matter how deep you are inside, you may not know what's going on. And so I think to that extent, to your point, I mean, people may not yeah. know it if it doesn't get out there. Right. And look, I think to, to bring it back around to Cooper, you know, I, I think this is a great move. I really do, because I see no downside with it at all. If he doesn't develop, you know, he's you're, you're never in a position. You're never likely to be in a position anymore at Michigan State where you're caught short of offers, available slots, I mean. Um, so it's not going to prevent them from getting somebody that can help uh, down the line. And if he doesn't develop, well, he may well decide to move on, you know, to, to find yeah. playing time somewhere else. That's why I think the redshirt thing is, is more important in terms of the message that it sends to the other guys on the roster and maybe – what it allows for in terms of another addition for this year via the portal, it's much more important from that perspective than it is uh, Carson Cooper's future development because we're in an era where a red shirt is meaningless. I mean, it doesn't mean the guys, the guy's not necessarily going to be around five years, no right, matter yeah. what. He's not tied to the school. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. whether he red shirts or not doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, look, it was barely commented on um, because he didn't play last year, but MSU lost a guy they added in. I don't even know if we mentioned it here. Uh, Peter and Woke, who was from Orchard Lake St. Mary. And I thought actually looked like he had a chance over time to maybe develop into a guy who could be in the rotation. Um, undersized post guy, like six, seven ish, but could rebound decent athleticism, toughness, good rudimentary post game. I thought he had a chance. He redshirted this year and then hit the portal. I'm not even sure if I've seen where he's ended up, but, um, you know, but we could be, I, I hope it's not the case. Cause I think Carson Cooper has a lot to like, but 
we could be sitting here next year talking about him leaving. It's possible. So don't get caught up in, oh, thank God he's redshirting. I mean, people got caught up in that nonsense around Marcus Bainham not taking a red shirt. Well, Marcus, I got news for you. Marcus Bainham, if Marcus Bainham, Marcus Bainham still had another year to play, right, due to COVID, and he yeah. opted not. So that tells you everything you need to know. He wasn't going to do five years. And that's true of a lot of kids. The majority of kids won't do that. So don't don't worry about what it means so much for Carson Cooper. Worry about the message that that sends to Michigan State. Guys already on the team and maybe somebody who might not yet be on the team but will be. That's why it's important for this year only that this guy is not a threat to your minutes. That's really all it means. Well, I think we ought to wrap it up there, Rod. Uh, once again, the final four is on the schedule. We'll see you later. Go green. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.